We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back on. Hope everybody's doing well. Um, tonight, I am honored to have uh, Aaron on my show, and Aaron works for uh, Rivals and uh, does a lot for uh, Marshall for the Thundering Herd, and I'm really excited to have him on the show to talk about the upcoming Myrtle Beach Bowl. Thanks for joining me, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Well, first off, I, I, I know you're, you, we were just talking a little bit, and you said you're going to the game tomorrow. Um, wh- what, are you, what are you most looking forward to, I guess, heading into the game? You know, just another chance to play. We've, it's, um, Myrtle Beach is always a fun place for most people from West Virginia. It's um, probably one of the most visited places by the uh, by our, by our population for vacation. So a lot of excitement, a lot of green down here. So just, um, just another chance to watch another football game. Absolutely. I, I'm a huge fan of Myrtle Beach myself, and uh, I know it's such a fantastic place to visit. I wish I could be there tomorrow, but I, I can't. I'm, I unfortunately have to work. But nonetheless, um, just a, like you said, an exciting opportunity for another game for both sides. Oh yeah, yeah. It's um, you know Marshall started off hot and then lost a couple, and at one point, most fans didn't even know if we'd be in a bowl game, and then finished strong and really kind of open to see what we have here going into next year and getting to play UConn, which, you know, kind of blasted onto the scene late. You know, I think it raised a lot of eyebrows when they beat Liberty. Uh, I think Liberty had, what, just gotten done beating Arkansas, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So, it, um, you know, to get to play UConn again is, uh, is another fun, you know, fun school. We've got, um, we've got actually some, some people within our equipment department who – you know, cut their teeth at UConn when Coach Calhoun and everyone was at their show. There's some connections between the two schools. That's interesting. I, I didn't know that that side of it. I mean, I know UConn's last bowl game in 2015 was in the St. Petersburg Bowl against Marshall. Right. Yep. Uh, yeah, that was um, that was a. You know, we were coming off our one of our best years in quite a while in 14 and breaking in a new quarterback and that was a uh it was definitely a defensive struggle when it ended up like 16 to 10 i believe didn't it yep 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 it, it was it was a defensive struggle is the perfect way to put it uh marshall just made the right plays when they needed to in that game that's for sure yeah yeah had to do it late too yep yep <clears throat> well this year you, you hinted to marshall starting off really really hot i mean winning at Notre Dame or the second week of the season. So, I mean, how was that just one as a fan, but for the program too? It was a moment I will never forget in my life. Um, you know, we have, most people are familiar with Marshall's history, you know, mm-hmm. sadly, unfortunately familiar with Marshall's history. And <clears throat> for anybody who watched the movie, 
you know, at the end of the movie, there was a uh, there was a scene where one of the coaches was in the locker room, and he came out, and his wife was talking to him, and he said, um, you know, come out onto the field. You know, the fans are out here. They, they don't want to leave. No one wants to leave. And after we won that game, weirdly, it was the same the same way. Everyone was up in the upper section, of course, where they stuck us. And all 5,000 of us were sitting up there. Nobody left. And honest to God, the PA announcer had to announce multiple times for us to leave or they were going to close the gates. So <laughs> it, it was, it was kind, of, kind, of, kind of cool how it kind of played, you know, in a similar role to that. But that was definitely a day I think most Marshall fans <clears throat> who were there especially won't ever forget. That's so cool to hear to hear that. I mean, obviously, one of the biggest wins in your program's history. I mean, nothing will ever beat that un, the unfortunate circumstances that transpired right, exactly. and the win that came after that. But right. But I mean, this this that win there. I mean, that was special. Oh yeah, yeah. That was, um, and it was a win. You know, it wasn't like. There wasn't a lot of fluke plays. I mean, it was nice to go out on their field and just just beat them. Right. And, you know, we, we've all seen Notre Dame Stadium and Touchdown Jesus and the Golden Dome. And, you know, they stick those visiting fans up there in the top. But, but it's kind of cool because literally every picture I took, Touchdown Jesus and the Golden Dome were in the background. That's awesome. So it, was, it, was, it was awesome. It was, a, it was definitely a, a, a day to remember. That's so cool. And like you said, kind of after after that, they they, they struggled for for a handful of weeks there. Uh, but f- the, really struggled offensively for the rest of the year. That's true. Um, you know, we see. So we we lost our next two to Bowling Green, who you know we we used to be in the MAC. Mm-hmm. And we have struggled playing in that place. We've won there one time since nineteen fifty three. And it's um, and weird things happen, and it happened again. You know, we were up twenty-one to nothing, and getting ready to score, and our all everything running back uh, leaps over someone, reaches for the goal line, fumbles through the through the end zone, and they go and score, make it twenty-one-seven. And every Marshall fan just kind of looked at each other and was like, "Oh boy, are you serious? Here we go again." And sure enough, there we went, and. Uh, then struggled at Troy the next week. Now, granted, Troy went on to win, you know, I think 11 straight to end the year. Mm-hmm. So that turned out to not be a bad loss. And then, um, and then from two and two to eight and four with four straight wins at the end. So, but the offense, you know, it, it, the defense did it. You know, more often than not, the defense found ways to win. Absolutely. And I mean, you went, you won five out of six to end the year. So, I, right. The defense, is elite to say the least. I mean, their numbers are eye popping. Yeah. I mean, they, and they're deep, you know, and they, last year we went and played Louisiana in the New Orleans bowl. And we only had, I believe like six defensive linemen healthy for that game. And it showed and, you know, Coach Huff made a determined effort that he was going to build that defensive line mm-hmm. back. To, and he built that to the point to where 
I think in the first two, three games, we played 14 defensive linemen. Wow. And, I mean, it was deep. And we've lost a couple to injury, and you still really can't tell. And that that um, that uh, that group's been the strength all year. And then the backside, the corners are um, you know, Stephen, Stephen Gilmore, his brother, Stephen Gilmore, you know, he's a former NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. And uh, Micah Abraham's father, Donnie Abraham, played in the NFL. So they're – they're next level. I mean, they're, they're right. very good corners. So um, it's it's enabled, you know, sometimes we don't have to take a linebacker off the field because we can trust the corners. So it's helped everything. You know, kind of pressed everything in and been able to be a really good run-stopping team. Helps when you got those uh, the bloodlines in, in those cornerbacks where they, you just can trust them completely that they just know and they're going to make the right plays. Right. And they both, you know, back in their name game, both made huge plays. Both of them had interceptions. Gilmore mm-hmm. had a pick six late in the game, so they both uh, they both stepped up right then and and kind of carried it all the way through the year. Absolutely, and I mean they were both all conference players, and like you said, I mean they both have next level talent. That's for sure. Yeah, I I would love to talk a little bit about you guys running back. I mean. For one, his story is amazing, but two, yeah. the year he's had this year is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. He, um, we were all shocked to get him because you know we had Rashino Lee who led the, mm-hmm. the country in, in touchdowns last year as a freshman. I mean, and um, so so getting Kalen Labor to come was a, was a big, huge get, and then. Um, you know, early on, of course, with Ali getting hurt before the season even started, uh, no one knew what to expect. And then, um, geez, I mean, he just uh, – the Notre Dame game, I mean, he's just a workhorse. And he's got the ability to hit the line, and and then you just automatically look at the other side and see where he's squirting out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's short, but he's stocky, and he's fast, and he's athletic, and – you know, he, uh, he he went from basically driving Uber to rushing for almost fifteen hundred yards the next year. So he's um, he's it's been fun to watch. Absolutely, I mean, he's twelfth in the nation in rushing yards and eighth in touchdowns. I mean, just an unbelievable yeah. season. I mean, like you said, to go from driving Uber to rushing for almost fifteen hundred yards is a, it's the type of thing where you make a movie about it. <laughs> Oh, you really do, and you know he uh, and, and we ran his legs off. Oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> I mean, you can just—he went from early in the year just going nonstop to you know we get we get that midway point, you know, seventy-five percent through the season. He maybe be two, three carries, and he's coming to the sideline. I mean, just—I mean, just a workhorse, but but tired uh, and and running, you know, injured for a couple games this year and. You know, his shoulder act like it looked like it was hanging off. His arm was hanging to the ground, and he's been one of those that you just kind of hard not to love. And, and if did I see correctly that he was invited to one of the uh, postseason yeah. All Star games? Yeah, yeah, good, mm-hmm. well deserved. Yeah, it was for sure. And and then you had a, a freshman quarterback come on uh, at the end of the year, going five and one as a starter. 
Uh, I, I know that obviously a run-heavy offense, but still, I mean, his production was very helpful. Yeah, he can he he can move. He he can run. Is uh, he'll miss some throws tomorrow? High. He'll 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 overthrow a lot of people. Um, he'll miss some people that where you're like, well, where in the world is that going? Um, but then if he gets in rhythm, you know he's on point, and you know we've got some receivers that he can hit. And but uh, he just his ability to run really makes the defense take an extra second before they focus on Labor and Ali. So it's changed up the offense a lot. It's um, he's a lefty and. Um, yeah, he is a freshman, retro freshman, and uh, I think most people are shocked he's on the field. Henry Columbia transferred here from Texas Tech, and mm-hmm. you know, he led us to the win over over Notre Dame, and then he got kind of dinged up a little bit, and and uh, the offense just wasn't moving. Offensive line, we lost you know five starters from last year, um, probably upwards of, of a legit two hundred and fifty starts that we lost after last season. So the offensive line was brand new. It had three former walk-ons on it and a transfer. And um, it took them a while to really kind of – they played their hearts out against Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Don't, know, don't know where that offensive line came from. And then took several steps back. Our offensive line coach left after Notre Dame game. Still nobody has a clue why. Um, and then they struggled – but they really started to come together late in the year, and it helped that I think Fancher was able to make them look a little better. That's weird that the offensive line coach left after abruptly like that. That's that's oh, it was very crazy. Still, nobody really knows what happened. So that kind of not no clue. That kind of sounds I mean, like luckily we had a very we had a veteran offensive line coach that was our tight ends coach, okay. uh, Bill Leg, who's been around our program for years and is very well respected. It was, you know, we had him able to step right in and he eventually righted the ship and it took a few weeks. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. That makes it even more impressive that you guys were top 20 nationally in, ru- in rushing yards. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Cause they, uh, they struggled. Now we had, um, you know, we, we bring a tight end in a lot, uh, just strictly for blocking purposes. Hmm. Um, he's a transfer from Arizona, Stacy Marshall, big old guy, but, uh, he, he's helped solidify the blocking a little bit. So, um, coach Huff's done a really good job of, of changing on the fly. You know, this is definitely, you know, some people may have, may have told him he was going to go eight and four, but he definitely, there's a zero chance he would have guessed that this is the way we were getting to it. Yeah. That this is how it's going to happen. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, looking at some of you guys' statistics, I mean, the first thing that jumps off the page is, to me is you guys being first nationally for third down defense at about 23%. I mean, that's eye-popping. And UConn um, is 81st nationally in converting third downs at under 38%. So, I mean, there's there's a huge advantage for you guys right there. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we do a good job – Tackles for losses and sacks. We do a really good job of getting kind of people behind the chains and making those third downs, you know, not third and twos and third and threes, mm-hmm. you know, third and nine, third and twelve. And then 
we have a pretty good defensive rush, and those, like we talked about the corners earlier, can really kind of play up a little tighter and, and prevent those quick passes. So it's um, Coach Kidry's done a really good job defensively, and it's it's stayed. And you know, I could jinx them right now, and they could go out tomorrow and play terrible. But it's really stayed consistent. There hasn't been the only time that you get them is in about the first seven to eight minutes of a game. And that's what Coastal did to us. Um, mm-hmm. They got us early. We fixed it, but it was too late. It's the too offense late. couldn't quite come all the way back. <clears throat> so um, it's um, that's that's usually when we're gotten is early. Gotcha. Then just the other thing that just kind of pops off is just like being top twenty-five in almost every major defensive category, fifth in rush defense sixth and first down defense, um, 10th in interception, seventh in scoring defense. Uh, you can go on and on like the turnover margin, your top 10 in total defense. I mean, just, just a tremendous group. I mean, I know we've said it a couple times, but it, it's, it's the honest truth. It is. It, they really are. They really are good. You know, like I said, they're deep. The depth is what depth is what depth is what has kept us you know, where we are, because we are, we went through, I think five total safeties on the year at one time or another, um, who have been out, um, a couple of linebackers got dinged up, a couple of defensive linemen, but he really hit the portal hard, um, on that defensive line, you know, mm-hmm. we had transfer from, from Penn state, one from, uh, Purdue, one from Kentucky, you know, that came in and they just, they made a difference and they were big. They weren't, they weren't skinny defensive tackles. They were, they, they were big defensive tackles that, that came in and just did a fantastic job. Absolutely. I mean, they've led you guys to a great season at eight and four. And I, I guess one thing before we, before we get off the air here, what's, what's uh, maybe a couple keys you would look for tomorrow from the Marshall perspective? Well, like we just talked about, the keys. The key, I think, the key is the first seven to eight minutes of that first quarter, and that that can be said for any football game, obviously. But that just tends to be that, that kind of sets the tone for what we're doing uh, defensively. If we're able to get off the field early on a couple early possessions, I think it's going to be a good day for us. Um, Fancher is going to have to throw the football. Um, you know, we're not going to be able to run it. I don't think we're going to be – I don't think we're going to come out and run the ball up and down the football field. Um, we get our yards with sheer number of carries. Mm-hmm. You know, we hit, we hit it a lot, uh, and it busts some. Um, I think that he's going to have to throw the ball uh, to keep you guys honest because I think you're going to come in keying on the run. Mm-hmm. Um so I think the keys are the defense getting off the field early in the game and then uh, Fancher having a very good day through the air. I, I absolutely agree agree with you just from, for one, talking to you, but the little little bit of times I've seen you guys play this year and uh, the research I've been able to do, I mean, I think it's going to, like you said, I, I, I'm really looking forward to keying in on that uh, first half of the first quarter, I guess we can say. Yeah. I think it'll be big. 
Well, I, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me here a uh, little bit here to talk about Marshall. Just uh, looking forward to the game tomorrow and uh, hope you enjoy your time in Myrtle Beach. I will. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much to my loyal listeners, everybody who turns in, tunes in uh, weekly, frequently to all my shows. Uh, again, thank you guys so much. Have a good night. God bless. Hello, everyone. Bobby Wilson back from TNT College Football Podcast. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed my uh, interview there with Aaron from uh, Marshall's Rivals. Uh, works for them, giving us uh, insight into the Marshall side of the upcoming Myrtle Beach Bowl. Uh, really, really appreciative of him joining me. I uh, wanted to hop on now and talk a little bit about the Yukon Huskies. Uh, my loyal listeners know how much uh, how much I uh, appreciate Yukon, Yukon football, all the fans, players, coaches. Uh, and that are a part of UConn Nation. Um, so definitely don't want to do a disservice by not including them in this episode as I've been breaking down uh, every bowl game heading into them. Um, UConn comes into this game at 6-6. Six and six. I mean, just a unbelievable season for the UConn Huskies. They were projected by many to win two or three games. Um, I remember the opening line at Vegas to start the year was two and a half wins over over under in that situation. Um I projected, I predicted from the season uh, before the season started that the Huskies would go si get to six wins, and uh, boy, am I happy they did! <laughs> so happy to see those guys have the success that they had. Um, just, a, just an amazing finish by them going five and two to finish the year there. This is the Huskies' first bowl game since 2015, and it's funny that uh, Aaron and I talked about this a little bit. That the Huskies' last bowl game in 2015 was the St. Petersburg Bowl against Marshall. So uh, uh, very interesting here heading into this game. Um, I mean, U UConn fans know um, what the Huskies like to do offensively. They want to run the ball. They're definitely run first. But, we get, but we're getting a lot of guys back. Uh, Brian Bruton, one of our top running backs, uh, should be back for this game. And then Cam Ross and Keelan Marion at receiver. So we should have uh, uh, almost a – I'm not going to say a full stable of our offense because, I mean, everybody who's a Husky fan knows losing our starting quarterback um, first game of the year in the first half, um, losing top three or four receivers very early on, getting two of those two of those back for the bowl game here. Um, obviously, top three or four running backs go down, so I mean, it, it, it's been uh, it's been a rough go of it for the offensive side, but. Uh, Huskies nonetheless I mean we know what they want to do they want to run the ball establish the run to set up the pass um, one of the key guys and I keep saying this over and over again but one of the key guys when it comes to the offense is the utilization of tight end Justin Jolie uh, he has been a breath of fresh air when it comes to making plays for the offense uh, sometimes a bit underutilized I know Husky fans would agree with that but uh, Justin is a big strong fast receiver who can just make plays and in the games where he does make plays the huskies have been very successful so i think he's a big key coming into this game um, utilizing him and getting him the ball as much as possible um, for those that don't know much about the huskies I'll, I'll give you a little breakdown on some of the players uh true freshman quarterback zion turner was thrown in um against Utah State that first game of the season. I mean, he's done as good of a job as he could have this year. Um, 
threw for 1,241 yards, nine touchdowns, seven interceptions. Um, he started every game since that uh, first game against Utah State. Um, offensive coordinator Nick Charlton has done a masterful job um, just not giving him too much, too much of a workload. Uh, Nick Charlton, the offensive coordinator at UConn, is a genius. The way he's implemented this offense, run this offense, his play calling has been superb. I mean, it, it's off the charts um, what he's done for this Husky offense. Just an amazing job. Um, then you look to true freshman running back Victor Rosa, 561 yards and nine touchdowns, especially in those last seven games. He was huge in those games. Um, then I've already mentioned true freshman tight end Justin Jolie. Um, he has a 14-yard average per catch from a tight end. That's pretty impressive. Um, a guy who I, th I can go on and on. That's somebody that just really, really needs to be utilized more as the Huskies go. And I think getting Cam Ross and Keelan Marion back can even open things up for him because Justin does face some double teams uh, from defenses. And uh, I just can't wait to see how that goes. Um Mr. Connecticut at linebacker, Jackson Mitchell. Uh, just what a season he had this year. 133 tackles, fourth nationally, four and a half sacks, five fumble recoveries, which was the which was first nationally. I mean, he's always around the football, always making plays. I mean, I, I put him on my All-American team. I voted for him uh, to, be, to make the national All-American team. I mean, he's unbelievable, and he's the perfect guy that you want representing your program. Uh, defensive lineman Eric Watts, seven sacks on the season. And then uh, DB Trey Wortham, four interceptions on the season, always around the football as well. And then a handful of guys, DB Durante Jones, linebacker Brandon Boyer Randall, linebacker Ian Swenson, and DB Malik Dixon-Williams. All of those guys have between 82 and 90 tackles on the season. So it's not just the Jackson Mitchell show getting tackles. There's those four guys as well getting in on the party um then you look at the huskies the huskies are a defensive oriented team they are i mean they they have a top 35 uh, uh looking at the offensive side of thing they're top 35 rushing the ball um and then they're also top 35 in red zone offense um but looking at it from the defensive side they're fifth on fourth down defense um they are in the top 30 in interceptions on the season. Um, just a defense that's really made plays and buckled down when they need to. Uh, they've blocked four kicks on the season. Um, they've forced 20 turnovers. So, I mean, this is a team that when opportunities arise, they make the best of it. Um, but one thing I will say before I get off the air talking about this game, the spread is Marshall by 10.5. UConn is one of the best teams in the country covering the spread. I am not a gambling man, and I won't be, but I will say I believe UConn is 9-3 and three against the spread this year. So UConn tends to cover the spread. Um, Marshall is a fantastic rushing team. That is UConn's strong point defensively is stopping the run. So I think it's going to be very, very interesting seeing the battle there on the teal turf. Um, we're really, really excited to catch this game. Um, of course, being a UConn fan, UConn supporter, somebody that works for UConn Rivals, um, I cannot wait to watch this game. Can't wait to cheer on the Huskies. But also, I can't wait to see Marshall because they're like 
Kalen LeBourne has, has such an amazing story, as Aaron and I talked about, driving for Uber last year to now rushing for nearly 1,500 yards. Just an amazing story. And, I mean, Marshall's a team that you always cheer for, too, just because of the history of that program. Um, but nonetheless, really looking forward to this game. Um, hope you guys enjoy it. It's a little early. It'll be at 1.30, my local time, Central Standard Time, 2.30 kickoff out east in Myrtle Beach. Uh, hope Husky Nation's doing well out in Myrtle Beach. Hope everybody's having fun. Um, wish I could be there with you, but I have to work. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, hope, again, thank you guys for tuning in, for supporting me on the show. Uh, feel free to follow me personally on Twitter at Coach underscore B Will. And also follow the podcast Twitter account at TNT College Foot One. Um, then like, subscribe, do whatever you, you guys need to do wherever you listen uh, to podcasts on whatever platform. Much appreciated. Um, again, hope everybody does well. Have a good night. God bless.